0: it's a blessing to the missionaries and i appreciate that we're in mark chapter number 10 mark chapter number 10 When I was writing the original notes for this morning's message, I was expecting to deal with the verses clear down through verse number 31. But as the actual message got put down on paper, I realized that time would not permit all of that be, to be covered. And so I had to leave off verse number, "It's for me, I'm not available.") <laughs> <laughs> I had to leave off verse numbers 28 through 31, uh, but since these verses actually have a direct application to missions and missionaries, I thought it would be very fitting for tonight's uh, service, and so we'll look at that briefly this evening. Let's read them again. Mark chapter number 10, verse numbers 28 through 31. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in the world to come eternal life. Many that are first shall be last and the last first. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. We ask that you would now take us in this short amount of time where we need to go. Father, this is truth, and we ask that your spirit would teach it in a way that is both understandable and usable in our lives. Make a difference with your truth, for we ask this in the precious name of Christ and for his honor. Amen. We'll make it simple. We have four verses. We'll have four points. Verse number 28, then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. If you were teaching tonight, what would your point be from that verse? Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Well, I'll give you my point. Point number one, there is a cost to following Christ. Mark it down, following the Lord always involves change. It always costs something. The disciples walked away from the family business, most of them. The disciples, for three years, lived a actual semi-dangerous life. For much of the time of that three years, they were away from their families. After Christ's resurrection, following became a very serious matter. Most of them ended up leaving their homeland to take the gospel to other regions. And like we talked about a few weeks ago on Wednesday night, tradition has it that most of them were martyred for Christ. There is a cost to following Christ. Like we talked about this morning, the average person wants to gain an easy, pleasurable life by following. But my friend, that is not the way that it works. A life that is not changed, a life without cost, is not a life that is following the Lord. It's just that simple. It may cost you friends. It may cost you a comfortable house. It may cost you business success. It may cost you a hobby. It may cost you the nation in which you were born. It may cost you your health. It may cost you Christmas and all the other holidays together as a family. It may cost sending your kids to spread the gospel to foreign lands. It may cost you a fancy car. It may cost you your reputation. It may cost you your retirement nest egg. It may cost you that quiet suburban life that is the American ideal. It may even cost you your life. Does this surprise you? Was not Christ very clear in his expectations in the scripture? Did he not himself set the pattern, leaving glory of heaven and living in abject poverty on this earth while he ministered here? Did, he, did you not let him buy you from the slave market of sin? Are you not bought with a price? Did he not say over and over again about hatred, suffering, persecution that his followers would face? How is it now that the average Christian seems shocked at the price tag? The history of Christianity has proven this truth over and over and over again. There is a cost to serving the Lord. On the way home this morning, Carol said, Something you said this morning reminded me of something that, a message that Dave Board posted. So she said, let me read it to you. She read it to me. I'll read it to you. At least this Bible college graduate was honest and transparent about the condition of her heart. She was honest enough to tell me that she'd been trained for the mission field in Bible college. She was burdened for those who have never heard the gospel. In fact, she was under conviction that God was calling her. But she was honest by telling me, I am not going to surrender. And here's the reason why. I don't want to fully surrender my life to God. I want to enjoy my comfortable life here in America. I finally got my own apartment and a car that gets, get, that gets great gas mileage. Every evening I can sit on my deck and enjoy the sunset. Doesn't that send a cold chill down your spine? To hear someone verbalize this and see it written out, it's shocking. But the fact of the matter is, she's only speaking the truth that is in the average Christian's heart. I cannot begin to tell you the sense of dread that I have for that person, knowing that that kind of thought process, where that leads in their life on the total other hand, last night while I was studying, I read a story uh, in a totally different realm. I was reading, and I came across a story about C.T. Studd. He was one of the Cambridge Five uh, that went as a missionary to China back at the turn of the century. He was a very wealthy man. And since he was going to China, he gave away, to, he invested is what the word he used, he invested his money, all of his inheritance, into the gospel, into the spread of the gospel. He gave it all to God's work. He invested it all. Very wealthy guy. But he kept back 3,400 pounds because he was going to give that to his wife on their wedding. So when they got married, he gave her the 3,400 pounds. And she said, didn't the Lord say, sell all that you have? And she gave the 3,400 pounds to another work of the Lord. Two women. The one that Dave Board ran into and that one. One says, no way I'm not going even though I hear the call of God. And the other says, he can have it all. I'm not going to hold anything back. Which one would you want to link yourself to? One just warms your heart all over, and the other sends a cold chill right down your spine. There is a cost to following Christ. If it did not involve change, then it's not following, which brings us to the next verse. And if we take this verse and we split this verse if we just take it by itself it splits a sentence in half which actually helps us in our thought process tonight look at verse number 29 it's actually 29 and 30 are one sentence but we'll split it in half like the verse is and jesus answered and said verily i say unto you there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels point number two there are no limits to the cost It costs to follow the Lord, and there are no limits to the cost. Back in the day, before the government completely got their hands into the health care system, I had to apply for health insurance. It's been nine to 30 years ago, I'm guessing. And at that time, they had all kinds of plans and all kinds of exclusions and all kinds of deductibles. So you had this big chart, and you had to figure out, What risk level am I willing to take? And when you figured out your risk level, then your premiums were based on that risk level. Pretty much all that's gone now. But you know what? The thought remains. God's people use that thought to see how willing they are to follow the Lord. Just how far will I go with the Lord? Okay, I'm willing to risk a little discomfort, but just a little bit. Don't take me very far out of my comfort zone or we're done. I'm willing to serve the way that I've needed in any way, but it can't interfere with my own plans. I'm willing to work like crazy, but I do not want to leave this area. I am willing to follow the Lord anywhere as long as he doesn't leave the country. I'm willing to go anywhere except country X, Y, or Z. My friends, God doesn't sell insurance policies that allow you to decide how much risk you're able to take and you keep you investing for more than you ever thought you'd have to. It doesn't work that way. There are No limits to the cost. You sign up and you give God a carte blanche. That's how it works. There are no limits. And yes, it may very well cost you houses and lands and family and friends and health and even your life. You say, Pastor Scott, this is brutal. You're not a very good salesman. Well, the fact of the matter is, I am not trying to be. But I will tell you that the sentence does not end at verse number 29. It goes on to verse number 30. He lists all the things that you might have had to give up in verse number 30. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecution And in the world to come, eternal life. Point number three. Point number one, there is a cost of following. Point number two, there are no limits to that cost. Point number three, God is no man's debtor. God is no man's debtor. I'll say it right out, there are a lot of things of which I am not sure. There are a lot of things about God that I simply do not know. Others have very strong opinions on some of these things, I do not. But if there is one thing which I am absolutely 100% positive, it is that statement. God is no man's debtor. Whether you believe it or not is of little consequence to me. But I have watched God in this area for over 40 years. And I know from personal experience that this is absolutely true. God is no man's debtor. You have to understand, I'm a really cautious guy when it comes to money. When I go, to, I never just go out and impulse buy. I debate when I'm going to buy something that has it, if it's more than a couple bucks, I think about it a lot. To tell you how stupid I am, I stood at Menards the other day. The fitting I needed was four bucks. But there was one for two bucks that if I really worked, I could make it work. And I must have stood there for 10 minutes trying to decide. So I bought them both. <laughs> thinking, well, I'll try to make one work if it don't. You know what I did? I ruined the $2 fitting. I had to use the $4. That puts me at six bucks. <laughs> Here's a paper cut. Pour some lemon juice in that, will you? <laughs> oh, that hurt. I just don't do that. When I buy something, I expect it to I have thought it through and I expect it to really pay off. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I can tell you that in my life I have made some purchases. I thought, boy, these are gonna be great. I can remember one time I wanted this part for my computer so bad. I I scrimped and I saved and I worked and I and I spent 400 bucks on this part for my computer. And I'm telling you what, that thing didn't give me two bucks worth of pleasure. I hate things like that. Not everything pays off the way you think it's going to, even no matter how much you research it. But let me tell you about God. It has been my goal in life to always be very free-handed with God. I don't ask questions. I don't look for the end. I just give. And I can tell you without any question in my mind at all, I have never regretted one dime that I have given him. It has every time been way, way, way above what I could think. All the money I've entrusted to him has been money well spent. I just stand back and marvel, to be honest with you. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. I think I told you 15 years ago, maybe it's a little more than that. We had some things happen. And my taxes became impossible for me to do. I always did it myself because it's cheaper. So I just, I couldn't, it was just beyond what I could do anymore. So our family, my grandpa had a a guy he was real close friends with, an accountant in Pella. And so I went to that guy. And I laid it out in front of him. And I said to him, this is what I'm doing. He says, that can't work. He said, it just doesn't work. I said, well, I know that. But I said, I've been doing it since I was 22. It's been working all this time. He said, well, I just don't want add up. He goes, I'm just going to tell you it won't work from now on. And that was over 15 years ago. And no, you can't add it up. And no, you can't figure it. And I don't understand it, except God is no man's debtor. It's just that simple. He is nobody's debtor. It's been my desire to give God anything that he asks. Family, friends, money, work, health, whatever it is. When I was 20 years old, I was in college. I got off by myself and I pulled out my wallet and I realized that my wallet represented my entire existence. Everything that was me was in there. My social security card, which represents both my work and my whole future, my retirement. I had pictures of all my family in there and I had pictures of Carol in there. I had all my money and my bank cards and everything. If you think about your wallet, it's got your whole life there back in the day when we carried wallets. I had everything there. And I went through piece by piece and said, it's yours, God. No holds barred, nothing held back. Whatever you want, it's yours. Free-handed as I can be, as best I know how, you can have every single piece of it. Do whatever you want. Now, there is no question that it costs He asked for different pieces of my life, and it's been my desire. I tried to say yes every single time. And to the best of my knowledge, my life has been his. Don't start patting me on the back. I'm telling you right now, in every area, I have been repaid in full. Well overpaid in every single area. Because God is no man's debtor. You will never give to God where he lets it just fall to the wayside. Whatever you give, whatever he asks, is not wasted or lost. The verse says he pays a hundredfold. I would have set his repayment at higher than that. The fact of the matter is, I have never made a sacrifice Whatever it costs to serve God, he has so overpaid me that it could never be termed a sacrifice. Now, I do not believe in health and wealth Christianity. I think that's foolish, a foolish focus of life. But I will stand here and give public testimony to this fact. God is no man's debtor. When you give to God whatever it is, he does not let that ever slip through his fingers, ever. You cannot give God and end up on the short end of the stick. This is why that statement that that girl made just scares me to death for her. My friend... God is no man's debtor. There is a cost. And there are no limits to what it costs. But God always takes care. He always pays more, far more than what he takes. Let's grab verse number 31 very quickly here. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. This phrase is found several times in the scripture and it's always confused me slightly. My mind thinks in pictures and I could not ever get a picture to come into my mind on this verse until this afternoon. So let's grab a real quick picture and I hope it'll help you on this. Think of Black Friday shopping the way it used to be. None of this sissy stuff now where you can do it all online. I mean when you really had to fight people. when you actually had to take your brass knuckles, and you know, how many back, remember back in the day? My mom, I think, beat up some lady in a wheelchair, actually, as, if I remember right. <laughs> you gotta watch that woman. When you get her between her and a deal, you're in trouble. Back in the day, okay, you remember what this was like. And everybody is pushing and shoving. The line starts early, and everybody starts pushing and shoving. Why? they got to get to the front of the line right and so there's fist fights there's bloody knuckles there is all kinds of arguing and fighting going on as people cram to get one more ahead of the, the guy you leave your line you leave you lose your space right you don't leave you camp out there you know, everybody's trying to get around get a little farther ahead you got that picture in your mind all right, so you've the fight's over, you've got the line, is all formed. And you're there, you've made it, and the store opens. Only they start letting people in from the back of the line. And now all of that fighting that you fought to get to the front of the line has actually put you farther from the good. That's what the verse means. And that is such a helpful thought. You fight and you fight. I'm going to get me, me, me. I'm going to hold my life so I can have it. You fight your way to the front. My friend, God starts working from the back. And all that you went to fight for is lost because you fought your way to the wrong end of the line. Many... The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. My friend, God is no man's debtor. Mark it down. And there is not one thing you'll ever give God that you'll say, man, I'm sorry I did that. You hold on to your life, you grab it, and you hold it all in, hoard it, and you're going to say at the end of it, what a dumb decision. Every time I think about this thing that Dave Board sent, I just got a car that gets good gas mileage. Can you imagine looking the Savior in the face on the day of judgment and saying, I traded you in for 30 miles per gallon. Unbelievable. Unfortunately, her wording is actually echoed in the average Christian's heart. There is a cost, and there are no limits to what it costs, but God is no man's debtor. But you push to the front of the line and hoard and save, and you're going to find out you're at the back of the line, and all that pushing ended up costing you more than you'll ever know. Let's pray. Father.